I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Curzon Cinemas podcast. This week I'm joined by Helen. Hello. And Harry Chapman making his... Second? Second appearance. Second appearance now. Back from more. Did you just call me Helen like Prince Chapman got his surname in? Well, I I I (laughs) thought about doing the surname for you, but I thought you've been here long enough now. It's just Helen. Let's get friendly. Yeah. Like Prince. How many... many, Or Madonna. Mm. How many podcasts do I have to do just to become H? (laughs) (laughs) How long have you got, Harry? Oh, okay. How long have you got? (laughs) H from Steps. Yeah. Is that your goal? That's my goal. <laughs> Aim high. This week we're going to be talking about Alexander Sokorov's documentary Francophonia. And this tells the story of the Louvre during World War II and how it was treated during the Nazi invasion of France. Um, but it's about so much more than that. And we're going to be discussing it on so many different levels. However, before we get into that, my question for you two this week is, if you were to go on a tour of a cinematic history museum... Who would you like as your tour guide? I'm going to say Ryan Gosling, but as okay. his character in Drive. Because I don't like it when tour guides talk too much. Okay, so... <laughs> so you just want to look at him? I, well, I just want him to sort of grunt and point to the particularly um, important bits. And I'll, f- I'll fill in the blanks. Would he have the um, like scorpion jacket? Of course. The gloves? Of course. The cocktail stick? The car, of course. The car? <laughs> <laughs> we would be in the car. Like around. a small. I think he's a good enough driver that he could drive around a museum and yeah. not hit any of the artworks. You'd be done in like ten minutes. Even better. You, you have to be done in five. Oh yeah. That's the rule, isn't it? Yeah. That's why I didn't choose Nicolas Cage. I didn't want to be gone in <laughs> 60, sixty seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Nicolas Cage, it would be a horrible tour guide. Yes, yeah. You'd be so distracted by everything. I know. <laughs> it's so loud. Uh, Harry. Uh, I I I'd go for Bill Murray. Okay. I think. The, the reason being, so there, there was a story, it must have been a number of years ago now, where it was a bar in London, and he, he just jumped behind the bar yep. and started serving people, and people started asking for all these different drinks and all these different cocktails, and every time he just filled a glass with gin and gave it to them. And that was it, <laughs> that was it, he just did that. And I imagine a tour guide with Bill Murray would be like that. Yeah. Lots of gin. Well, no, more more just like you'd be like, oh, I really want to see the Mona Lisa or something like that. And then he'd just take you somewhere no, completely this. different. Yeah, yeah, here's this. You're getting this. this. Yeah. yeah, and you just sort of go through. I love the That'd stories about Bill Murray. Oh, just fantastic. I love it that he 
The rumour is that Bill Murray doesn't have an agent. The well, only you way- just call him and it's him. You have to know him to get him in your film. Cool. And it takes a while to get him, to get hold of his number through various people in Hollywood. I like that. Yeah. At least he's cool. got a phone. That's true, yeah. Like Mid- messenger phone. pigeon or something. Yeah, exactly. uh, my choice would be Werner Herzog, simply because he has that. <gasps> oh, you've absolutely nailed he's it. He's got that Can I smooth Bavarian voice and he's always incredibly interesting and he knows his stuff. All I see is boredom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's him talking about a bear. <laughs> An animal that wants to kill you. Why are you talking about that in a museum? He'd make you. He's great. He'd describe the artwork, but also yourself. He would. You'd nail this. When you look into the Mona Lisa, all you see is an abyss that looks back into you. Imagine that for like three hours. I can. In person. And I want it. I'd just take you around with me doing the impression. <laughs> I think. Is that okay? That's fine. I'll do that. <laughs> if anyone's looking for a Werner Herzog at the party. Let me know. Oh, and list off your host of impressions oh, that you uh, can do. David Thewlis is also yeah. available. Um, I, don't think I've done, I think I just do David Thewlis Louis every Theroux? week. You've done Louis Theroux? <laughs> yeah, that, I nailed that one, didn't I? Yeah. Oh, God. Everybody's had a day. Some good, some bad. That was Louis Theroux. No. <laughs> uh, right, so should we talk about the film that we're here for? Yes, please. Right. Okay. So, Francophonia is a docudrama I guess is the best way to describe it and so initially in the film we're presented with a story about two men and that's the Louvre director Jacques Jojard and Nazi officer Franz Wolf Metternich and this is how I assumed the the film would go just being a story about these two men and I thought okay this is quite interesting it's about the relationship between a invader and his prisoner essentially Jojard was the director during the Nazi invasion of France um, but the film does go into very different and interesting places but um, to start over let's just talk about these two men and this relationship between them uh, how did you think that played out through the film it was a very very absorbing film yeah and I found the relationship between these two characters sort of the pinnacle of that definitely um yeah, they they were they met they sort of meant the film could keep steady around them. Yeah. So I felt like there were there were other things, and obviously we're going to touch upon them. Mm. But that storyline was sort of the constant thing. Yes. And it therefore meant that we could see their relationship developing, and that gave it a real narrative. Yeah. To then go to these sort of other places that that were a bit different and a, a bit quirky in, in certain aspects. Yeah, I think this is a nice way to ground the audience yeah. within the film, and also these these are all um, like recreational footage with actors playing these people um, which is always not sometimes quite nice to see in a documentary mm. uh, just an interesting way of doing it and combining documentary and fiction filmmaking yeah it kind of had that um, yeah we touched upon Louis Theroux but it kind of had that Scientology you yeah know, when, he when he's recreating it yeah. oh, kind of had that, nice, that feeling yeah. about it yeah definitely um, I, yeah I really liked these this story of these two men who are, should be polar opposites German and French enemies of war and that it's through art that they become collaborators and almost hints that they are friends by the end. Mm. Um, there's a really nice scene at the end where they're told, the the, the narrator, who is um, uh, Sokhorov, he tells them their futures, which was a really nice scene, and they're kind of joking about it together. And that was a really nice little moment, I thought. Also nice, because at the beginning he says, why is um 
why is art unwilling to teach us prescience? Mm. I can't say that word. Like the future, and then at the end he tells he them does. their yeah. future, which I enjoyed very much. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, and I really liked the fact that the narrator sort of broke through that that wall to the subjects he's talking about and interacted with them quite a bit. Because this this is a really meta documentary, I think. Really, really yeah. meta. Really meta. Yeah. And I think it. I think we can say some people, why did find that part it's a bit alienating. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be as yeah. well. And also, I'm interested in whether an alienating film means a bad film, uh, which I don't think it does necessarily. No. 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 I, th- I think. I think by. Alienate, trying to alienate the audience in some ways it means you're having to work harder your yeah. brain's having to work yeah. harder and you're trying to work out exactly what's going on because um, I found that very much through the, there's so much different sort of medium throughout the mm-hmm. whole or media mm-hmm. throughout the whole film like yeah, I made a list as I was going through so like obviously you've got the artwork you've got film you've got sort of live action stuff you've got filming of TV you've got history of it you've got retellings as we've touched upon you've got pictures um you've got filming of pictures which is kind of interesting so you you never yeah. feel fully connected to the film and you're always trying to work out sort of what what is happening or what's trying to go on which i think is really interesting yeah i think it's kind of brechtian in that way mm. they um never allows the audience to completely empathize with what's going on it never you're never tricked into thinking you're part of the film yeah or that what you're watching is necessarily real. I think the point of it is that it's all about art is a facade, art's not real. But it's still so it's still really powerful even though you know it's not real. And that's what the film's trying to do as well, I think. Yeah, well you see the camera like there's certain points where you see the camera yeah. and you see them filming. You see the clapperboard. The, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's the Sukrov's really conscious and he's really trying to make the audience know that this isn't real. This is recreational. This is art. This isn't pure documentary. And also, lots of people say they find art really, really alienating. Mm. And I'm interested in because that's a big criticism of art and art galleries. And you know, I just don't understand it. It's something that people say a lot. And I'm interested in why, <clears throat> if you feel alienated, you don't respond with curiosity, but you just feel a bit cold, and kind of the different levels of that. And I'm not saying that I've never felt alienated by art, but I really, really like art. Yeah. And if I don't understand something, I think. I think if you don't understand something, the answer is to kind of look further and. Well, I think I think there's a thing about the sort of who who critiques art, mm. rather than film. So often, with art, the critics are the experts. They're the ones that know so much about art. While film, most people can come out of a film and have some sort of opinion and feel like they can give an opinion. Yeah. Straight away, and that, that's why I think it's really interesting that this is a film. Yeah. I think it sort of blurs that line between being an art critic and, and, and being a film watcher. Yeah, and I think the art critics aren't the experts and anyone no, can just no, walk yeah. into a gallery and have an opinion like anyone can go into a cinema and yes. have a film. Have a Have a film. Have a film. <laughs> have a film. <laughs> <laughs> go on, have a, have a lovely film. Enjoy yourself. Have an opinion about a film, but somehow in art it's all got a bit skewed yeah. and it seems to have been taken away from just the general people, which I don't understand. Yeah, it's become almost like an elitist art form. Yeah, like which I hate. Art. I yeah. absolutely hate. Well, I think... I think it's interesting that this is set in the in the Louvre. Yeah. Because in in terms of art galleries that people can mention if they have no interest in art, 
the Louvre is probably one of the few. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, probably the most famous. The biggest in the world. The biggest art museum in the world. I think so. I believe. Yeah. Um, so we talked then about how different this is from other documentaries, about how it tackles so many different themes through different mediums. Would you then maybe... Is that sort of a warning, in a way, for people? Because I think there are some people that would expect this to be a traditional documentary with a voiceover talking about the history of the Louvre during World War Two, And I think, w- would you say to people, but be warned, this isn't necessarily that film? Yeah, I mean, maybe not warned, but just heads up. Yeah. Goes yeah. a bit surreal sometimes. I mean, did I, think I guess the one I'm trying it. to get to is, did you review Struggle with it not being as traditional as it could have been. I mean, I didn't always know lost? what was. Yeah, I didn't. But I think that's okay. Yeah, and uh-huh. and at times there'd be other stuff going on in the screen, yeah. and I'd be thinking about what happened before. Yeah, and I'd be like, oh, what was, what was going on there, and then I'd be like, oh, I'm missing something that's currently going on. Um, but I think that's done intentionally, and I yeah. think actually all that does is mean that your your brain's working and you're trying to kind of grab the strands away from the sort of mix-up that they have. And also sometimes I was like, is that a recreation or is that archive footage? Mm. Which is interesting. Yes, yeah. I really enjoy how he did that. So uh, for me, one of the big themes of the film is about the ethics of art. So they took... Napoleon is a character in the film, Mm -hmm. which was a really bizarre touch that I really liked. Yeah. Um, And he talks about how he brought a lot of the art to the Louvre but it was through theft and violence. And also they, they kind of hint about this thing that Napoleon, even though he was a villain of history, has kind of become an an icon through his representation in art. What did you think of that, about that sort of the way, how art raises these ethical questions and how even a piece of art being in a museum can be have questionable ethics? Yeah, well, the, I mean, it says at one point that the Louvre is the place where the artistic war trophies are kept, mm. which is pretty a powerful statement mm. and makes you think about where these things came from. And like you say, the ethics of, of why why it's kept there and have we yeah. taken it from someone who, you know... A place, it belongs to somewhere yeah, else. Yeah, it belongs yeah. somewhere else. But like also questioning where art really belongs and there's a lot of questions yeah yeah well i think i think there's a there's a sort of lovely parallel and i think the reason napoleon's in it seems to be to parallel the sort of story between the sort of nazis and the the wartime and that and that that's fairly obvious and i think actually i think they're kind of questioning whether Actually, when it's in the in the museum, why don't we keep it there and try and keep it where it is, rather than have another country mm. steal it and take it away and move it on? At some point, it needs to stop somewhere, and it seems the two of the, the two sort of main characters, I guess, are the ones are the ones that are trying to do that. To this. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, and you mentioned we mentioned there like art and war as well, which is another big theme. Um, one of the things I found really interesting and quite mind blowing was the fact that. Germany were kind of given these weird strict orders to respect the art in Paris and like there was a full list of things they couldn't do when they were in certain buildings in Paris and f- so first of all the Nazis is crazy that the Nazis are told to treat these things with respect but then when you know what they did to people yeah 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's totally. completely what? different. And and other artwork. And they, yeah, they burn number two, they when they went to Russia, they had, they had none of this kind of um, respect or discipline for art there. They just, it's a complete, total path of destruction they left there. So I guess this question's relationship between art and power, art and humanity, art and war, and sort of how are we in culture, how should we prioritise art and culture over other things? These are big questions. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not necessarily asking you. <laughs> no, but I think these are really important things yeah. to think about. And I think art in general is this strange, like we were talking about before, slightly elitist, seen slightly away from, from general society. And I in my like life and thoughts <laughs> I just really want it to become part of just normal society yeah. because mm. I really really like art yeah. and I don't know why it's kind of this thing that's um that's separate from that and and I and I have a trouble with museums and galleries themselves because I think they they're quite they're strange places they're and quite daunting they're daunting time, yeah. and and they don't always like I have a campaign to get artwork in a cave okay so out of the big buildings out of the mansions yeah but also because a lot of artwork was done was made for churches and um candlelight was how it was presented at the time and now they're in these big museums with huge strip yeah. lighting yep. and it would be so much better if it was in a cave and you went into a cave with all this candlelight and could have a look at some artwork i would way rather go in a cave helen for the cave <laughs> <laughs> Get the artworks out of the mansions and back in the caves. That's what we want. I think that. Imagine walking along a beach and you get to the end, this little yeah. cove, and yeah, there's like and it's five Caravaggio, portraits in there. Yeah. I, I, guess the, I guess the issue there is probably preservation, I imagine. Is but then right? then I think let them go. Okay. Oh. okay. Well, Nothing see, can last forever. See, so it, it's interesting because the, the um, I've forgotten his name, the the director of the, the Louvre. Uh, Jacques Jojard. Yeah. He he says at one at one point he says all museums must prepare for war, mm. and he says like he almost implies that he is always ready yeah. <laughs> to like <laughs> to hide stuff completely like, yeah. dismantle yeah, the dismantle, whole thing, yeah, yeah. which is crazy. Yeah, but then then that sort of goes against the uh, the point of maybe art should be left and. Well, I think yeah, I don't think I agree with him. Okay, I think let you know let. If something's destructive, let it 
let let that destroy. mark be shown. Yeah. Cause, yeah because um, otherwise it becomes even more of a facade. Yeah. Because there, the, there was an invasion in France and no paintings in the Louvre <laughs> uh, show any of that. Yes. And people got really hurt. And yeah. no, pe- every painting is fine. And I'm really interested in that dynamic. Yeah, I think um, it just shows the sort of hypocrisy of the war in mm. how the Nazis treated Paris. Yeah. And it's also interesting that we have a Russian director and a Russian narrator Mm-hmm. talking about this which makes it even more personal and um, he talks quite a bit about how the Nazis treated Russia compared to France and that was a, and that was a nice touch I thought a nice added some personality to it yeah just the whole thing of the um, the narrator being really an active part of the film I think is one of the film's big strengths what did you think of that we've talked a bit about it being quite alienating in a way, but did you like? Did you like the narration and the, the fact that the narrator sometimes even appears on screen as if he's writing the film? Yeah, and I like the way the tense he used to talk to us. Yeah, and he used to be like, "You can't guess it, can you?" Yeah, and very active. Kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah can't, like almost like asking you riddles. Yeah, the film, yeah, which yeah. Is just adding Have another, you found out what like, it is? I know. Yeah, yeah, which I love. Yeah, I love that, and I love you could hear you could hear sort of typing at points and yeah. And, and and things going on in the background. There's always yeah. a phone ringing. Yeah, at Dirt. All time. I thought Dirt. it was mine. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, where is my phone? Is that under my bed or something? Yeah. Something off? Yeah. Dirk, I want to talk about Dirk. Let's talk about Dirk on the boat. Yes. Love those bits. And right at the beginning, and then again at the end, they have Jericho raft of the Medusa painting, which I talked about in Fire at Sea. Okay. Oh, fans Bringing will. Bringing it back. I'm Bring sure fans will remember that moment, um, which is so. Interesting because that painting is this huge scale painting of yeah. a huge raft disaster where the captain left the ship, let all these people die, and Jericho made this massive painting to let people not forget what happened. Yeah. Ah. Um, and then you've got Dirk on the ship with this huge crater museum. Yeah. And and in one review it was saying that's kind of like what museums are like. They're this cargo ship in a stormy sea mm. and they're just trying to hold on to it. And for our history, they move from place to place. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, again, comparing art to people. Yeah. I, yeah. I saw this as... I don't know if this was me going way too much into it, but for me this was a... Because the film, a lot of the film's about sort of European collaboration and um, the fact that the two men collaborate during conflict and disaster. And then we have images of precious cargo on a boat... For me, this was a kind of, um, uh, sort of refugee crisis metaphor. Well, I did, I did think of that. Because, yeah, you mentioned yeah, Fire at Sea. Exactly. And those images really brought back the memory of when we watched Fire at yeah. Sea, um, which we did on the podcast a few months ago now. And, yeah, and this whole thing of is art even comparable to, ever, ever comparable to human life? Mm. And that they're, they're taking... The, direct, the narrator and Dirk are very stressed but we have this is precious cargo you can't take precious cargo across a rough sea which is happening every day but yeah. the cargo is human life exactly and throughout the film there's this tension between how the Nazis treated art compared to how they treated human life and I, re- I really saw this film as about not being about art all the time but just about European culture and European mentality 
throughout. Or just human, just yeah. human culture yeah. and, and what we do. But that the Jericho raft of the Medusa, it's in the beginning yeah. and then it's it gets moved to a house um, to yeah. protect it. And there's even a point where they, they go past it and they go, oh, yeah, that's a nice one, isn't it? Uh, and then okay. they're talking about it and they say, yeah, we had to rip a wall down of this house yeah. to get it in. Uh, okay. So over-importance of art, maybe. Well, I don't know if it's over-importance, but... <laughs> Study there, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> but kind of get our out of the mansions and into the seas. <laughs> the destruction and, yeah. and the levels that they went to to protect this yeah. this right. artwork that is a memory of people who were abandoned. Okay. I guess the thing is with with art is what it does do is it, it preserves culture and it and it keeps alive something that may have been forgotten and is a lot more sort of obviously visual than a, than a textbook and history and. And that can potentially be manipulated a bit more. So I think actually, in terms of them keeping alive art, there could be an argument for it. It helps you remember what's gone before and what's happened before. Oh, definitely. I'm not saying that get rid of. I didn't say Raft of Medusa. <laughs> I love Raft of Medusa. <laughs> it's one of my favourite works of art. I think it's just interesting to compare yes. human life yeah. versus yeah. art and which one's more important and which one we put more value on. Yeah. And this film tackles that really well. I think so, yeah. I'm going to embarrass you, Helen. You you're, you have a history of art background? Mm-hmm. That, that right? Yes. Nothing that bad? That was a yes. I'm just wondering what, how that affected your reaction to this film. Because, okay. I mean, you've, you've out of the three of us, I think you know your stuff about the art world and you've referenced paintings a lot but I'm wondering if yeah did that affect your reaction to this film well I think I felt as alienated as anyone else okay. with, you know with it I, I, this thing with art is kind of like you have to, you know if you have a degree my background yeah. is talking about I have a degree that's that's it <laughs> I was not raised <laughs> you were raised, raised in a museum right? born you? in the attic of the National Gallery I think she was raised in a cave that <laughs> yeah. had art in it <laughs> um you know, if you have a degree, then then you're an expert on it. Like you were saying, if you're a critic, then then you know yes. what what you're talking about. Like, uh, yeah, I've I've been around right. some museums and and I like looking at it and reading about art. That's about it okay. in terms yeah, in, just... in terms of it. It doesn't mean that I have that I can understand this film any better than anybody else or have any greater insight than anybody else. I don't think. Um, of course, there were some bits like paintings that I recognise, but anyone could recognise those paintings, you know. Yeah, some yeah. of them. Are, some of them are fairly famous. Yeah. And, and people that have read history or English or, or yeah. other films would probably recognise them. Totally. Because they 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 use some of sort of the iconic paintings that are in the museum, mm. I guess. Um, and I get I guess in terms of that, that's a really good point about art and being you know having a degree in it. It's the same as anything else. It's the same yeah. as, as 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 film or English. You're never going to have seen everything. You're never mm-hmm. going to have read yeah. everything. Yeah. And actually, being an expert takes years and years of work, and means you you don't even see you know a percentage of what's out there. So I think I think this film, while it does alienate, actually just give it a chance. I oh, think absolutely. It's my oh, sort yeah. Of yeah. My thing like, is a it. like yeah, alienation isn't a bad thing. Yeah. Like just let it spark your curiosity. Yeah. Um, yeah, we keep saying how it's not like a normal documentary and that's absolutely a compliment because I think this film is so much more challenging and um, relevant than any normal traditional documentary that you're going to see at the moment. 
Um, I think that you're not just going to sit there passively watching a story unfold. You are you're actually invited by the narrator to take part in the film and to think about these things that we've been talking about. And I think you'll want to talk about them as well when you leave. Mm. Um, that immediately after, I, I had so many questions written down that I wanted to discuss with people. Luckily, I have the opportunity to do that. Um, but yeah, I really invite people to do it as well. Also, it's so perfect timing for this film to be released in the same year as Brexit, a film about mm. European culture and European collaboration during times of hardship. Well, I, th- I, th- I think there's so many different things that are, that are going on and that divide yeah. people. And, you know, all you need to do is look at sort of the, you know, terrorist attacks that happened in Paris that, was, that wasn't that long ago. Yeah. And, and Brexit and everything. And there seems, and there's this refugee crisis that's going on. And I think actually what it what it shows is that people can come together in unlikely yeah. circumstances and produce something or preserve something or and, and and be friends and even if they have different ideological views, still be together as one. And I think that's that's crucial to the film. And I think actually this film you could probably watch it in a, in fifty years' time and, and it would just still as have relevant. the same relevance. Yeah. Yeah. And and actually it touches upon you know, it goes from, you know, it talks about the Revol- French Revolution. It talks yeah. about Napoleon. It talks about the war. It talks about the Vikings. It talks about yeah, it's yeah. Like, like I think it's so relevant because history ultimately doesn't change that much. It's still people at the end of yeah. the day. People and and art kind of documents that throughout the whole thing. Absolutely. Uh, any final points before we wrap up, guys? There's a really beautiful bit at the beginning where he says, "What if I had?" Who would I have been if I had never known or seen the eyes of those of, who lived before mm. me? When he's talking about the portraits, and I think that sums up his feelings about art and why it's important. Yeah, that really fits in with your point as well about history yeah. ultimately not changing that much, and we need to be reminded of the past to shape the future. My favourite quote from the film was, um, "Maybe all of this was made up by us Europeans." Yeah, when there's a painting of like uh, Jesus, uh, Christ and all these religious Im- images, yeah. and he, he's. I guess the point is that the only proof of those things happening are through art. Yeah. And of Europeans interpreting these things. And it's how European culture has shaped these massive existential ideas. Um, yeah, just the importance of art. I guess it's highlighted again in that quote. I do think, I feel like I said earlier that they should all be destroyed by accident. <laughs> I don't think they should. I think it's important. <laughs> I just I was talking about that in human life. Nice save. <laughs> Trying to be controversial nice to get the uh get people talking about you. All all I would say as well, if if, if people listening haven't been to sort of a art gallery for a long yes. time or anything like that and feel like it's something that makes them nervous, um Curzon quite often do sort of these interactive tours where you can yes. go to the cinema and sit and someone takes you round a, a sort of a different gallery and things like mm. that so definitely keep an eye out for those because they're really interesting and actually you're sat in a dark room so you don't feel this kind of oh I don't know obligation what to understand yeah, everything exactly. yeah exactly and you can kind of take it in and, and, and sit back and relax with it so maybe one day there'll be an interactive uh, tour with Ryan Gosling Bill Murray and Werner Herzog and you could like go into three different screens and choose which one you want to go to we can dream. That's my dream. I'll put the call in to Bill Murray. I'll put his number. <laughs> you, you're the one with his number. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so we mentioned earlier Fire at Sea, and uh, you can catch up on the podcast for that if you uh, go back for a few months. And also Fire at Sea is available on Curzon Home Cinema, as is Francophonia uh, as of its release date today. 
so do check those two out so thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next week it's goodbye from Harry Chapman goodbye goodbye from Helen Seymour bye giving you your surname back and it's goodbye from me see you next week Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.